Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So in addition to being Peace Serves Day, today is also the last day of Sunday school, so a lot of our parents are out uh, celebrating with their kids for the Sunday school celebration, Uh, so we're excited for that as well. Well, it's good to be back with you. I wasn't here last week, and just in case there was any confusion from Pastor Doug's vision of my death last week, I didn't die. I had a stomach bug. It was bad for a while, but then it got better. Thanks for your moan of concern there. Appreciate it. Uh, But what I learned last week after watching that service is that when I go to heaven many years from now, we hope, I will be driving around in an old Buick station wagon. Now, I was a little skeptical about that, but then I remembered the last car I owned was a 92 Buick Century. There's me saying goodbye to it. And so here are two things that, uh, that I realized about this vision. The first thing is that I used to drive this car. The other thing is that this wouldn't be my first choice of a vehicle for all eternity, but then I realized I'm going to be smiling and waving as I speed past Pastor Doug who will be riding on his bike (laughs) through the golden streets of heaven. So it all works out in the end. So here we are at the end. We're at the end of this series, which was called This Is Not The End, but here is the end of This Is Not The End. We're at the end of the Bible, the last chapter of Revelation, and usually we'll take a a chunk of this and look at one little piece, but instead I thought I wanted you to hear the whole uh, chapter, and it also says in this chapter there's a warning not to add or take away from any of the words, so I thought let's play it safe, let's read the whole chapter from Revelation, and first before we do that, let's remember where we are in this book. So all the, the crazy stuff, all the violence, all that stuff has happened, and then in chapter 21, we get the vision of New Jerusalem. And it's a city of God that has come out of the heavens to earth. And so now the heavens and the earth, they are one. Pastor Doug mentioned how in this vision, the gates to this city are never shut. They are open 24-7. And it says that the nations of people, all the kings, they stream into this city to give glory and honor to the one true God. And so that's what's going on. And here's how John's vision ends with him and this angel Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you 
and your brothers and sisters, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. I love the hope that comes at the end of Revelation. But you might have noticed that mixed in with that message of hope are some other messages. There's also a warning and there's an invitation. And you find this throughout the book, throughout the entire vision of Revelation, those three things. There's this promise of hope and then there's warnings and then there are invitations. So these promises are things that we can cling to no matter what, no matter how bad things get and how dark things seem, we see this promise that God is still reigning. God is in charge. God gets this victory at the end. And then there are these warnings for us to heed. And the warnings are there because there are real dangers in the world. There are real evils, real things that have consequences. And then there's an invitation. I love how this last chapter puts it. To come, everyone, Anyone who hears this, just come. Anyone who's thirsty, come and drink the water of life. It's a gift for anyone who wants it. Recently, I talked with Pastor Mike Weaver about our Revelation series. Mike is one of the pastors over at St. Luke in Gehenna, just across the road. And Mike took a class on Revelation in seminary from Craig Kaster. Now, Craig Kaster has written a lot about Revelation including the book that Doug and I have used to get a lot of our information for this series. And so I asked Mike, all right, you studied with this guy. What, did, what was your takeaway about Revelation? And he said something really helpful. He said, I really think that it's good to take a step back, not to get lost in all the little details and symbols and try to decode and predict things. Like, that's not helpful. Take a step back and look at the story arc of Revelation as a whole. Because when you do that, it's like a roller coaster. It goes up and then down and then up and then down and up and then down throughout the entire thing. Now at the very end, it gets to the city of God, so it ends on a high note, but everything before that is this back and forth of highs and lows. And that's important because that's a different version of the story than what we often hear. 
The Christian message often is told that, look, this world is bad. You and I are bad. We're sinful and broken and fallen and all that stuff, and so things are bad. And Revelation shows us it's only going to get worse if you think things are bad. Now you just wait because, oh boy, it's coming. Things are bad. It's going to get worse. And then at the very end, after God destroys everything because it's not even worth saving, then it'll be good in heaven. That's sometimes how the Christian story is told. Now, in that version of the story, I'm glad it ends well, but what about everything else? <laughs> it doesn't give us much meaning in this life. It doesn't give us much hope here and now. But the good thing, as you look at Revelation, is that is not the story that we see in the Bible. It's not. The, the story arc in Revelation, it starts, do you remember the first vision? It's Jesus present among all the churches. In the present, here and now, Jesus is ruling with all of God's people. And then the next part of the vision goes to the heavenly throne room where everyone is singing praises to God and the Lamb. So it starts on this high. And then there are the seven seals with the four horsemen, all the plagues and war and destruction. So there's all that stuff. And then before the last seal, it gets interrupted by more worship. And it says there are this countless multitude of people, more people than you could count, from every tribe and every language and every nation, every culture. They're all singing together with the angels, praises to God. And then there's the beasts and more destruction. And then it stops again for more worship on and on. It goes like that. Now, yes, the end matters. It's important to know that God has the victory in the end, that it's a good ending. But what we see in Revelation is heaven is not just in the end. What we actually see is that heaven and hell are mixed throughout the entire journey. And I love thinking about Revelation like that. Because when you think of all those ups and downs, that is exactly how you and I experience life, isn't it? There are those moments where it's like, there's no doubt this fits. This makes sense. Like, how could this be anything other than a creation from a loving God? And then there are those moments of pain and grief and isolation, and you think, how could a loving God possibly be part of this? It's not one or the other, it's both. Actually, often life is both at the same time. I love how Glennon Doyle talks about this aspect of life. She has this quote. She says, life is brutal. I love that. The most meaningful parts of life are brutal and they are beautiful at the same time. And what we see when we look at life, think of this, anyone with children knows this to be true. Children, life with young children, probably at any age, is the best, and it is the worst at the same time sometimes. Relationships are like that. When you really get close to someone and you are vulnerable and you share your life with someone, that leads to the most joy and the most heartache and frustration that you can experience. 
So there are all these highs and lows in life, and then there are these brutal moments of both. And the consistent message throughout Scripture is that God is here through all of that, not just the beginning and the end. It's not like God created stuff, did some cool things in the Bible times, and then was like, all right, see you later, good luck. I'm coming back at the end. No. Sometimes we misunderstand what it means when God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the A to Z. Right? God is the whole alphabet, the A and the Z and everything in between. What a shame it would be if you and I went through this whole life thinking that the only heavenly experiences come at the very end and we miss everything, all the things of beauty before that. And you know what? Sometimes life isn't brutal. Sometimes it's just brutal. Sometimes life is just rough. But even in those times, if you look, there are still reasons to praise God. One of my favorite songs of all time is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And I'm sure you've heard this song. It's been covered like more than any other song that I know of, at least 300 different versions of this song. But you might not know that Leonard Cohen, he tinkered with this song for years. He actually wrote over 100 different verses to this one song. He was always working on it. And Leonard Cohen, if you've ever heard him singing, he's kind of like Bob Dylan. Like he's a great songwriter, but then his voice is kind of interesting. It's a different style. But I've listened to a lot of different versions of him doing Hallelujah, and he sings these different verses. But every version that I found, it ends with this same verse that I love. I tried my best. It wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I learned to touch. I told the truth. I didn't come to fool you. But even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Hallelujah is that Hebrew word that means praise God. I love that. When I look at my life, even when it has all gone wrong, there's nothing else that I can say to this God that created it all than praise be to God. Hallelujah. I had a an experience of noticing this holy moment on Easter. There are lots of holy moments, but this time I, I felt it, that holy moment. And it was during the hallelujah chorus at our traditional worship service at the very end. Now, I have to say this. The hallelujah chorus at the Handel's Messiah, it's not really my thing. I, I can appreciate it. It's a powerful piece of music, but it's not something that I would listen to and get chills. It's not something that connects with me like that. But Q, our worship arts director, he started this tradition where at the end of our Easter service, he has a bunch of extra copies of the music, and he says, anyone who has ever sung this, if you want to come up and sing it with us, come. And we had at least a dozen people join the choir and sing the Hallelujah Chorus this year. And Doug and I, we got a front row seat where we sit in the sanctuary. We were close enough we could make out the facial expressions of this chorus of singers. And here's what I noticed. There were some people who looked a little nervous, some people kind of laughing and smiling. There were some people who were absolutely singing their heart out. There's one person I saw who took off their glasses and I saw that her eyes, they were brimming with tears because it was such a powerful moment for her. 
And here's what got to me. I know enough about those lives of the people singing there. I know enough about them to know that they have lived some brutal lives. There's a lot of loving families and, and passion and joy and success represented in that chorus. And I know that there is also a lot of broken relationships. There's divorce. There's a lot of grief, including some grief that is still very fresh and very hard to deal with. There are people struggling with stress, people struggling with what comes with aging, and I'm sure all sorts of struggles that I had no idea what they were going through. So I was thinking about that, and yet here all these people were, wherever they are on this kind of emotional roller coaster of life, wherever they were at that moment, and here they are singing their heart out with these words from Revelation. The Hallelujah Chorus, it comes from three verses in Revelation. And they're not at the end. They're mixed at these points of worship throughout. It's the heavenly choir that's singing this. It's the angels and the saints singing praise together. And, and here's what they say. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God Almighty reigns. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. Praise be to God. See, wherever you happen to be on that roller coaster of life, there's some comfort knowing that at the end, it's good. At the end, there is peace and there is joy. But that's not the only comfort. You can also... Be assured of this promise that there is that goodness, that peace and joy to be found all throughout, especially in those moments where we notice what God is up to, where we join that heavenly chorus and we praise the one who always was, who is, and who is to come, the Alpha and Omega, who is at work through all of it. I'm going to leave our final amen this morning to the choir. Here's the last uh, part of that hallelujah chorus. Uh -huh.